It has been said that you can take the boy out of the country, but can't take the country out of the boy. That adage began as a negative statement. Those of us who grew up in the country, we take pride in it now, but it began as a negative statement. In other words, you, you could take a backwards country bumpkin and place him in a sophisticated, uh, upscale environment, but he would still behave like a backwards country boy. You can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. As Moses is recording the events of our text in Genesis, God has taken the Israelites out of Egypt, and they are traveling to the promised land. But God has taken the Israelites out of Egypt, and through these trials and testings, he is working to get Egypt out of the Israelites. Some of the Israelites are going to die in the wilderness, longing to return to Egypt. Some of the Israelites, in particular the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh, are going to choose to settle just outside the promised land because the land is good for raising cattle. Some of the Israelites are going to enter the promised land, but they're going to end up worshiping the gods and the lifestyle of the Canaanites who were driven out before them. So as we come to our text today, it's helpful to remember that God took Abraham and Lot out of Babylon, and he is working to get Babylon out of Abraham and Lot. And beloved, God saves the Christian out of the world, and then he spends the rest of their life getting worldliness out of the Christian. I want you to know this morning that the cost of being a worldly Christian is not worth it. The cost of being a worldly Christian is not worth it. We come into Genesis 19 verses 1 through 3 and we see that the two angels, remember we had the three angels or or two angels and the Lord visited Abraham in the previous chapter and they uh, had a meal with Abraham and then God revealed that he was going to destroy Sodom, and Abraham interceded for Sodom and said, boy, if there's just ten righteous people, will you destroy it? And God says, no, I won't. And we come now, the two angels have arrived to Sodom to investigate the situation. And Lot welcomes them. It says in verse 1, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now as we come to Lot, he meets them in the gate. Lot is sitting in the gate. That is a place of prominence in the ancient world. It is the older men, the respected men, would sit at the gate of the city. And they served as sort of a filter for people coming in, like, are you going to be allowed in the city? But they also served a purpose of sitting there, and when people had disputes, or they had counsel about something, they would go and talk to these men, these men that were supposed to be respected in the city, and they would bring their issues before them and get them settled. 
So Lot, if you'll remember back, initially, when God uh, gave them their choice, Abram told Lot, he said, you choose whatever you want. And Lot chose to be near Sodom because it was good for his cattle. Uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh are going to make the same decision when they come to uh, enter the promised land. But Lot says, I want that land. It's like Eden. It's like Egypt. But there were wicked men there. So he went and he was sojourning there. He was a cattle farmer, right? They had two men, or I said cattle, probably sheep and goats. But he kept animals, and so he lived in tents, and so he just sojourned in that area. But now we come, and Lot is no longer just living in a tent. He's moved into the city, and he has a home amongst the wicked. Now, Lot knows right from wrong, and he, he's moved into the city because he enjoys the good life found in the midst of wicked people. Lot, we see here, loves luxury more than limitations. He loves the good life more than the righteous life. And so he's moved in amongst these people. And 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 says this, Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. You know, we got these two gates into our mind, what we see and what we hear. And he's being tortured by what he sees and what he hears. Christian, what are you seeing on television, the internet? What are you listening to? Lot knows what is right. He just loves worldly comforts more. And, he has, and if he has to compromise his testimony to be comfortable with it, so be it. Now, there's a familiarity with the previous passage when the angels visited Abraham. In that instance, the angels were there to bless Abraham with news of a soon-to-be-born child. But here, the angels have come to destroy. Why? Because the wickedness of the people of the city. Now, I want us to note four things that we see here about the wickedness of the people in the city. We're going to move relatively quickly through these, but these are the people that are going to be destroyed. Look at verses 4 and 5. They desire sexual immorality, sex outside the bounds of marriage, sex outside the natural order that God has set up. It says, but before the angels lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. You see, the world wants no constraints placed upon their desires. They desire sexual immorality. Notice also the wickedness of the ungodly revealed in that they ignore reproof for their wickedness. Look at verses 6 through 8. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so, what's that next word? Wickedly. Lot still knows right from wrong, but at the same time, Lot has now learned Canaanite lifestyle because he compromises in an ungodly way. Look at verse 8. Behold, 
I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. Now, Lot's counsel is going to be ignored, but he points out to these men of Sodom that their attempt to have homosexual relations with the visitors in his home is wicked. But then Lot, using worldly logic, does an ungodly thing. He offers his daughters to these men. I would say to you this morning that when a society turns from godliness to their desires, the ones who suffer first are the women and children. They are not valued and protected as they should be. Instead, they are objectified. Sexual immorality is another indication that society has turned from godliness to being ruled by their desires. Sex outside of marriage, we call it fornication. It becomes acceptable. Lot offers his daughters. That's still not right. Sex outside of marriage. Sexual deviancy Sex outside the natural order of creation is another indication. Homosexuality becomes acceptable. Life is devalued as people become objects of desire. The weak of society suffer. Children become hindrances to the fulfillment of pleasure. I started noticing it back when I was coming up through school, right after I graduated from high school, they began this program where they, would, they had these like little babies that would cry and wet themselves, you know, not real babies, and they would send them home with the kids. And the point was, these things are such aggravations, you don't want one? Seriously. Children are a blessing from the Lord. But because children are hindrances to the fulfillment of our desires and our goals, abortion... The killing of a child is now considered a health care choice. Everyone does what is right in their own minds. They make ridiculous statements like, well, this is my truth, and that's your truth. Beloved, truth is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. Opinions differ. Choices differ. Truth doesn't change. And God is the truth, and he determines what is true. But people want to do whatever they want without feeling judged for doing wickedly. Lot attempts to protect his visitors. That's a good thing, but he does it by ungodly means. He tries to satisfy the men by allowing them to do as they please with his daughters. One of the costs of being a worldly believer is thinking like the world thinks and trying to make concessions to their wickedness. It doesn't work. The cost of being a worldly Christian is not worth it. The ungodliness is further revealed when they threaten those who judge their lives as unholy. Look at their response to Lot. But they said, stand back. In other words, get out of our way, dude. We want what we want. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn and he has become the judge. Remember, he was living in tents outside the area, and now he's moved in, and now he's sitting at the gate. He's become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Hey, buddy, you think we're wrong? We're going to teach you a lesson. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break down the door. You're going to hear a lot about tolerance. But really, what people are is intolerant to the truth. 
No matter what concessions are offered, only acceptance of wickedness is really tolerated. The ungodliness of the wicked is further revealed when they pursue their desires despite hindrances. These next passages amaze me. Look at verses 10 and 11. But the men, that's the angels that Lot is keeping, the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great. Now, I, I think, I would expect, the next statement would be, so they all just went home. Like, I went out here trying to fulfill my desires, and now I can't see. I'm going to go home and hope I get better. But no. They wore themselves out, groping for the door. Even being blinded did not dissuade the men from attempting to fulfill their desires. The ungodly will attempt to practice their wickedness despite hindrances, despite laws, despite boundaries, despite guardrails and other limitations. Those things will be ignored by the ungodly. But now let's turn back to our story here. Lots, it's obvious that the whole city, not ten righteous remain, it's worthy of judgment. It's worthy of the judgment that they are about to receive. Not a man in the city is found to be righteous. Remember Abraham is interceding, right? The men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man have shown themselves to be wicked. The angels have all the evidence they need. Sodom is to be destroyed. So they reveal to Lot the Lord's plans to destroy Sodom. Look at verses 12 through 14. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city. Bring them out of the place. For we are about to destroy this place. Because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-laws who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-laws to be jesting. Lot tells the men who are to marry his daughters about the judgment to come, but he is not believed. Another cost of worldliness is that no one believes your testimony. 2 Peter 2 verse 6 says, By turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, God condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Beloved, destruction has not only been revealed to Lot in our story, but you and I have been warned that this world is going to be destroyed. The ungodly are going to perish. Are you warning others? Will they at least think you are credible? I remember one time we had a new employee come in at, at, at the company that I was working at in West Virginia. And we went to lunch uh, at, at some place. And, and uh, when we were getting back in the car, uh, he was riding with us with a couple other guys. And he made a lewd, filthy comment about the waitress who had waited on us that day. And I thought to myself, man, this guy needs Jesus. And then about a week later, I got a newsletter that the, the company would put out. And part of that was they would give a little bio of new hires. And this guy, you know, it had, he, well, he's married and this many kids. 
And, and he's uh, the leader of the youth group in his Baptist church. Will you be believed when you tell others that this world is going to be destroyed? Do you have a credible testimony as a believer? Beloved, the cost of being a worldly Christian is not worth it. But then we turn to the next portion of our passage. Morning is going to dawn. The Lord, we see here, will mercifully save his people, but it's despite their unworthiness. Look at verses 15 through 17. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. He drug his feet, literally. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being what? Merciful to him. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Right? The Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought him out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. There's this repetition of sweeping away that happens in the passage. I want you to note that Lot is not worthy of being saved from the judgment. He lingers. He's forcibly removed from the city before it is destroyed. Well, then we have to ask the question, why was Lot saved? He was saved because God showed him mercy. Why will the Lord save his people when they aren't worthy? When they aren't righteous in and of themselves? Well, it's because we do not earn our salvation. We don't deserve our salvation. We are saved because of God's mercy on us. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 says this, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You see, God had to choose to regenerate us so that we could even choose Jesus as our Savior, to see our own sin and See our need for a Savior. Question for you this morning, has God saved you? Have you recognized that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior and that you need to repent of your sin and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, that's good. I'm glad that you have been saved. But the question then becomes, are you still dabbling in worldly things? Are you lingering around people and places that are destructive to your spiritual life? Are you seeing and hearing things that feed your worldliness? I say to you this morning, repent. Don't be like Lot. The cost of being a worldly Christian is not worth it. We see that the Lord will mercifully save his people despite their unworthiness, but also despite their selfishness. In our previous text, in chapter 18, when Abraham learned of the Lord's plans to destroy Sodom, he interceded for the city. Lot's worldliness is further displayed here by his selfish intercession for himself. Look at verses 18 through 22. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, don't send me to the mountains. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills, 
lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it's a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. Like, let me live the city life. He said to him, this is the angel speaking, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar, little one. Beloved, the Lord will mercifully save his people despite their unworthiness and selfishness. And we've already seen that Sodom's judgment pictures the final judgment. But let's look at then what this destruction teaches us about the final judgment. First of all, the final judgment will not include the righteous because of their intercessor. Look at verse 23 it says the sun had risen when the sun had risen on the earth or excuse me the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Now skip down to verses 27 through 29. We'll come back to those other verses in interceding but I I want you to see that the final judgment will not include the righteous because of their intercessor. Verse 27 and Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord and interceded for Sodom. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley, and he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. The final judgment will not include the righteous because of their intercessor. Lot is saved from judgment because Abraham, Abraham's intercession for him. And just a quick link, you can feel it out for yourself, but Enoch walked with God, Noah walked with God, then we have the flood judgment, which has all kinds of similarities to this judgment on Sodom. I can't get into all that right now, but... In chapter 17, God called to Abraham and he says, come and walk before me. So we have this person who is walking before the Lord, interceding. He, he, he's the blessed one of the Lord, Abraham is, and from him is going to come the seed that's going to destroy the serpent, the offspring that's going to destroy the serpent, Jesus Christ. And so through his intercession, Lot is saved. And Jesus is the offspring of the woman that will crush the head of Satan who was promised to Abraham, and he's going to bless the nations by offering them a part of his kingdom if they but repent of their sins and place their faith in him as their saving king. We are not righteous in and of ourselves. We depend on the righteousness of Christ put to our account. If you can remember back to last week's sermon when Pastor Tad talked about the active obedience of Christ, like he faced all the temptations and he passed with flying colors. Whereas we all fail. Jesus lived the righteous life. He died the unjust death in our place. So that if we place our faith in him, we will be forgiven of our sins and given his righteousness. You can read about how the righteousness of Christ is put to our account in Romans 4 verses 3 through 5. Just as by faith... Abraham was counted righteous or was put to his account. So when we place our faith in Christ by faith, God puts Christ's righteousness to our account. 
And then Jesus intercedes for us, his people. Romans 8.34, Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Beloved, you will be saved from the judgment if you've placed your faith in Christ because he is interceding for you. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? I ask again, have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? The righteous in Christ will be saved from the final judgment because of their righteous intercessor. But we see also that the final judgment is pictured by the destruction of Sodom. Look at verses 24 and 25, the the climax of our passage. Lot has been saved, and he's in a safe place. Verses 24 and 25, Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. What is pictured by the destruction of Sodom is going to happen to this world when God recreates it. You have on your hand out there 2 Peter 3 verses 9 through 13. We read there, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. If you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, you still have time. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief when you don't expect it. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Earlier in the book of Peter, 2 Peter, he said the destruction of the ungodly was pictured at Sodom. Now he plainly spells out that everything you can see is going to be changed. Right? Live for God. The cost of being a worldly Christian is too great. Now we see, look at verse 26. The final judgment will include those who turn back from following God. The final judgment will include those who turn back from following God. Verse 26, but Lot's wife behind him. Okay, so Lot's walking out of the city. His wife is behind him. He can't look back and make sure she's still with him, right? So when he gets to Zoar, it's just him and his daughters. Why? But Lot's wife behind him looked back, longingly looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Beloved, the final judgment will include those who turn back from following God. I believe this is why church membership, and in particular, removing someone from membership is so important if they are ungodly and wicked. Why do I say this? Well, again, Moses is writing this to Israel on the way to the promised land. And Israel was to watch out for hidden unbelievers in their midst. 
Because if there was a hidden unbeliever in their midst, God would wipe out not only that unbeliever, but those who tolerated him around them. And, and I, I, I put on your handout, we don't have time to read it, but there's the passage in Deuteronomy where the Lord says, Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. One who hears the words of the covenant and blesses himself and says, I'll be safe though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. I'm going to walk in wickedness, but I'm going to be safe. And he says this will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. And then later on in the passage, he compares the destruction that will come to Sodom and Gomorrah when everything was destroyed. The author of Hebrews writes to the church, but he quotes the bitterness passage in Deuteronomy 29. Churches are not to be safe havens for unbelievers in their midst, lest one person bring defilement upon many. Hebrews 12, verses 14 through 17. It says, Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then he says in verse 15, and we talk a lot about following Jesus together, right? We're on our way to our heavenly promised land, to that new creation. And we want to make sure we all get there. And so he says in verse 15 to the church, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And then he quotes this passage from Deuteronomy, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy, like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. You see, we are to follow Jesus together, but woe to those who turn back. Jesus says in Luke 17, verses 32 and 33, Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Lot's wife revealed that she was not really a believer. I remember one time in the, in the church that I started going to and joined after I got saved and I grew in the Lord and was called to the ministry there. But <clears throat> when I came in, we were, we were visiting people, and one of the visits that I went on was a guy that was a former deacon in the church. And just real quickly, he, he shared this story. He, he reminds me of Lot. He's like, well, we used to come to church. I used to be a deacon there, he said. But, but then we, we, we got a place down by the river in Greenbar County, which is where I'm from. And he said, so we started going there on Fridays, and then we'd come back on Saturday because we wanted to be there for church on Sunday. And then, you know, that, that seemed like too short. We enjoyed it so much. And so we decided to start going. We found a church down there, and so we would go and we'd stay Friday night through Sunday night and come back. And so we were going to church at both places, but then they were going to church at neither place. And when I talked to him, he had two children that were just out of, one of them I think was out of high school, one of them might have been a senior, gone, never in church. Lot's wife revealed that she was not really a believer and the final judgment will include, will include those who turn back from following God. They will not enjoy the blessings of God's presence for eternity. You need to repent of your worldliness because the cost of being a worldly Christian is not 
worth it. We've already seen that Lot lost his wife. But look what else he loses. Look at verses 30 through 38. Now Lot went up out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. Isn't it interesting that for all the fuss and muss that he made, where does he end up? In a cave. He went to the mountains where he was supposed to go in the first place, right? I think when Lot got to the city of Zoar, he saw that that had wicked people in it too. And he said, I got to get out of here. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. Now they've lost hope. Their people they were betrothed to were destroyed in Sodom. Now they're not living in the city. There's no men around. Not too many men living in the caves. Verse 31, And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old. There's not a man on earth to come in to us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring for our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him. And He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus, both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. Lot failed to teach his children to walk in the fear of the Lord. And as a result, the incestuous ways of the Canaanites continued. Remember, Moses is warning them, don't be like the Canaanites. They, are, they have incestuous relationships. They have no, no throttle on their desires. Sodom, the city, was destroyed. But the ways of Sodom continued on in Lot's offspring. Lot failed to teach his children to walk in the fear of the Lord. But remember what was said of Abram, Abraham. In Genesis 18, 19, the Lord said, For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's promised him. Abraham did what Lot failed to do. He failed to teach his children to walk in the fear of the Lord. Lot's daughters got out of Sodom, but Sodom never got out of Lot's daughters. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, teens, people are still in the home. If your parents are urging you to live a godly lifestyle and they're trying to train you to show restraint in your life and to follow after righteousness, thank God for your parents. Obey them. Don't give them a hard time. They're trying to do what God commanded Abraham and Lot to do, but Lot failed, and his children were destroyed. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and have a long life. Verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents, teach your kids the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Train them what the Lord has said Train them the way of salvation. You can't save them, but you can tell them who can. 
again, back to our church in West Virginia. Kim and I had a friend. He, she, was, she had an unsaved husband. She was saved. She had two daughters. She was talking to Kim, and she said, I want to have an affair with my husband. Kim warned her, this is going to cause problems. You're liable to lose your kids. And she said, I know, but I don't care. I know at least one of her daughters totally rejected God. Beloved, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. There's a cost to being worldliness. You can live a selfish life as a Christian, but there's a cost, and it's not worth it. God saves the Christian out of the world and spends the rest of their life getting worldliness out of the Christian. How is that going for you this morning? Lot was considered righteous because of Abraham's intercession, but he lost his testimony. He lost his sons-in-law. He lost his wife, and he lost his daughters. And his children became the enemies of Israel. Those two nations that we just mentioned, they complete the circle in Genesis of the nations that surround Israel who are their enemies. He lost everything he cared about. And what's ironic is he liked, he liked city life. Where did he end up living? In a cave. Lost, Lot lost everything but his salvation. Don't be like Lot. Don't be like Lot. Truly a Christian, but satisfied with a comfortable, worldly life. I warn you this morning, it will cost you. Some of you here may be like Lot's wife. You may profess to be a Christian. You may be content to hide behind your spouse's salvation. But when judgment comes, your unrighteous condition will be revealed. If that's you today, repent. And trust Christ as your Savior. Follow Him with your life. Some of you may be like the Israelites who entered the promised land but worshipped the gods and lifestyle of the Canaanites. You're kind of like Lot's daughters. You, you got out of the world, but the world didn't get out of you. You may even be a church member. You may have fooled the pastors, fooled the congregation when we voted on you. But you're hiding the fact that you really love the world and its ways more than you love Christ and His church. And I urge you this morning, repent. It does not go well for the enemies of God. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, we'll finish with this. John writes there, it summarizes Genesis 19 well. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. So here's what we're not to love. The desires of the flesh. Oh, pleasure. The desires of the eyes. Possessions. The pride of life. Prominence. Popularity. They are not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away, along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. You need to repent of your worldliness because the cost of being a worldly Christian is not worth it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this warning that we find this morning about the cost of being a worldly Christian. Father, Lot lost everything but his salvation. Father, 
Some will be saved just yet by fire. Oh, Father, work in the hearts this morning. If there are those who are here who have never trusted Christ, Father, save them. Help them to see their need for a Savior. Father, if if there are those here who are seeing and hearing things and are tempted by the world and they're vexing their soul, I pray that they will repent. Do what it takes to get rid of those things that are vexing their righteous soul. Father, if there are friends or co-workers, neighbors who are ungodly and wicked that need to be relationships clipped and broken, I pray that you will strengthen those folks to do it. And Father, if in our midst there are those who are living an ungodly life, but yet they claim to be one of yours, and they claim to be a member of Faith Baptist Church, I pray, Father, that you will reveal that, that their sins in the closet will be made open, that we can deal with that and hope that they repent. But, Father, if they'll they'll just expose their sin to you and repent of it, put it away, God, that would be wonderful. Will you work, Lord, in us, Make us more like Christ so that our testimony will be believed and that our family members will believe the gospel. We ask that you save our family members, our co-workers and friends. And Father, we don't want to lose our spouses, our children to the world. Help us to live like your children in, this, in the midst of this wicked world that is primed and ready for judgment. Father, we ask, we thank you as Christians that you have taken us out of the world. We pray that you will work worldliness out of us and make us more like your son Jesus. And we ask it in his name. Amen.